All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Hey, look at us both working on a stat holiday. What can I say? Hey, somebody's got to work. Yep. Well, the show the show must go on, man. Okay, <laughs> let's start with the uh, the billion dollar museum project, and this will be a big week on this file now because mm-hmm. now the government has committed to release a a business case or some sort of business plan for this new museum in Victoria, and we're anticipating that to happen on Wednesday. What will you be looking for in this uh, business plan? Well, I'm going to be looking for the rationale for doing this. Uh, over this time period, I mean, uh, eight years uh, without a museum, uh, two years consultation, four years before construction begins. Uh, I think it's going to be require more than a business plan to placate the growing number of critics out there who are questioning the timing and the priority of uh, this type of capital expenditure framed against, as you would expect, the opposition to raise all the schools out there that don't have earthquake upgrades, who don't have retrofitting. Uh, other public buildings. So this has created a real mess for the NDP government. I'm not sure how they extricate themselves from this. I think it's going to require more than a, even a very detailed business plan to uh, quiet the criticism. Yeah, the timeline is really curious because, as you mentioned, there's a consultation period that goes on, doesn't start for two years, and then construction not scheduled to start for four years. So a lot yeah. of people wondering, why would you shut the building down in September if construction on a new one isn't going to start for four years? And one of the, Yeah, exactly. And one of the great yeah. ironies here is Victoria is basically an NDP colony over the years. I mean, there's no friendlier area other than the east side of Vancouver to, uh, when it comes to electing NDP MLAs. But now you've got a growing chorus of concerns from the local business community who are taken aback by the fact that a, a, a exhibit, an attraction that draws close to a million visitors a year, is going to be shut down for eight years. This is going to be a significant yeah. blow to the local tourism economy of Victoria, which is basically, that other than government, tourism is the number one industry in the capital region. Uh, and this is a major blow to the tourism fortunes for almost a decade, which is unfathomable for many okay. people. Okay. I had liberal MLA Todd Stone on the show earlier, and we talked about this, and now he has a theory that a reason why the government might want to fast-track tearing the building down and then taking so long to build a new one, like maybe they would tear it down pretty quickly and he has a he has a theory why. So let me play this for you, Keith, get your thoughts. So this is Todd Stone speaking to me earlier today. Perhaps the motivation here is to shut this museum down in September of this year, proceed as quickly as possible with demolition uh, permits and, and, and do the demolition work, bring the building actually down, but have this building basically at a point of, uh, of no return. Uh, oh. so that any future government, uh, any future government coming in can't reverse the decision. You're, you're basically left with a big gaping hole and, and chain link fence in downtown Victoria. Why, why else would you demolish this building two to four years before you'd actually begin the construction on a new one? Uh, okay, the point of no return. So if you knock the building down as quickly as possible, then if the Liberals win the next election, they can't, they can't reverse the decision and cancel the new museum, which which liberal leader Kevin Falcon has promised to do. So, yeah, so you tear it down. What do you think of that? Well, interesting theory by Todd Stone. <laughs> Not much there to refute him. I mean, it's certainly 
uh, it does it is a head scratcher, Mike. And you and I have talked about this before. Why would it take four years to begin construction? And if if it takes that long, why knock the building down so quickly? So there is some, I think, some merit to this argument that trying to get this to the point of no return, which is similar, if you recall, to Christy Clark's famous uh, promise to get the Site C Dam to the point of no return to ensure that no future government could undo it. Surely, that's exactly what happened with Site C Dam. Uh, the yeah. NDP continued construction of it, arguing that it was already past the point of no return. Now, this is a much, 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 much smaller project, but nevertheless, uh, it's, it's again, uh, quizzical why it would take two years of consultations and four years to lapse before construction begins. But in the meantime, as Todd Sohn says, there's going to be a gaping hole with a chain-link fence around it right in downtown Victoria, yeah. right next to the legislature. Okay, that story has legs, as they say oh, yeah. in the news business, so more details coming on that this week. Let's talk about the contract negotiations between the government and its unionized workforce. So I've noticed that a lot of the unions are advertising heavily right now. The BC Teachers Union advertising every day on CKNW right now, lots of ads. Here's another ad from the BC Government Employees Union that ran recently. Have a listen to this. Now, more than ever, British Columbians deserve strong, sustainable public services. BCGEU members have played a critical part in keeping our province running through the challenges of the past two years. But as the cost of living skyrockets, they are falling further and further behind. Well, the union's trying to get the public on side here, right? Oh, definitely. Uh, You know, as a side note, uh, media companies are making a lot of money off this, which is great. I'm not always like advertising on NW or Global. Uh, Trying to soften the public up, but again, I'm not sure what the end game is here. I don't think the public's going to be happy with uh, any extended job action in the public sector, but that may be what's required here to get a deal at the table. I mean, the two sides are far apart. Inflation's running north of 6% a year, which hasn't happened in decades, which is now a factor at the bargaining table, uh, unlike it's been for, as I say, for 30 years. And that's making it going to be very difficult to achieve a negotiated contract, whether it's the teachers or the BC Government Employees Union, whether it's the Hospital Employees Union, the Health Science Association. There's 183 contracts that have expired this year or will expire. 393,000 unionized employees are affected by this. Uh, everyone gets the same deal because of the Me Too clauses that exist in these contracts. So it's um, they're at uh, loggerheads right now, but it's early days. I don't think you're going to see any job action uh, until probably at least mid to late summer, although I noticed the GU is in the middle of a strike vote now, and we'll see what those results are around mid-June. Okay, let's talk about briefly about some of the latest developments in the Doug McCallum case. So the Surrey mayor uh, charged with public mischief. People will remember this one after he said that uh, uh, someone ran over his foot in the parking lot of a Save-On food store. Uh, the person he alleged ran over his foot was part of the campaign to get a referendum on the, the policing issue in uh, in Surrey. So the mayor wanted her charged originally and the mayor ended up getting charged with public mischief. So great work on this story by Catherine Urquhart, very fine reporter there at Global News, and she got a hold of the what's known as the information to obtain. So this is the information that the police provided uh, to authorities uh, to to uh, confirm the charge against McCall. And as suspected, uh, some of the evidence that were in the hands of the police is videotape evidence from the parking lot of the Save on Food. So let's have a listen here to Catherine Urquhart. 
McCallum said in a statement that he was pinned up against his vehicle. The video surveillance shows McCallum was not pinned up against a vehicle. McCallum said in his statement that after his foot was run over, he walked over limping. Surveillance video shows him walking in the same manner that he was walking prior to the incident. McCallum provided a version of events that has been partially disproved based on the statement provided by the driver and the video surveillance obtained from Savon Foods. Okay, Catherine Urquhart there quoting from the court documents she obtained, the information to obtain there. Uh, interesting, it's not surprising that police relying on videotape evidence here in this case. That's what we thought from the start here. Your thoughts? Yeah, people forget, forget or don't realize how many surveillance cameras are out there uh, in, yeah. in any given situation. You and I work at the legislature. There's more than 60 surveillance cameras in our neighborhood. Uh, there's everything's caught on videotape. And Doug McCallum evidently, evidently didn't know or, didn't, or forgot. Save on Foods has surveillance cameras. So it's interesting that the surveillance cameras refute the basic, the core of McCallum's story point by point. Great work by Catherine Urquhart. She's going to have some more exclusive information on tonight's show on the News Hour. Oh. Uh, but this really damages McCallum. I'm not sure. I mean, you, increasingly you got the the chorus of uh, people uh, in Surrey demanding that he step down or at the very least not run again. And I have to wonder, Mike, whether he's going to run again. I mean, the names that are surfacing oh. running for mayor. You've got Brenda Locks already declared the councillor there. Suk Dollywall, the MP. Uh, rumors that Ginny Sims, the NDP MLA, and Gordy Hogue, the longtime uh, former uh, Liberal MLA, may also throw their hats in the ring. So I think it's going to be very hard for McCallum to get reelected uh, in any case, but, quite apart from a crowded field. But the trial on the public mischief charge against him scheduled and not in scheduled until after the election. So well, this still won't trial. be a result. No, but, you know, the stuff that Urquhart's come out with now is essentially the trial. I mean, you've got all this information being laid at the public's feet where you've got video surveillance, according to the police, refuting McCallum's claim. I'm not sure a trial would do more damage right now than what's already been inflicted on McCallum's credibility. All right, welcome back to the show. As we're taking a look at some of these documents, uh, Global News reporter Catherine Urquhart obtained on the Doug McCallum case here, the Surrey mayor charged with public mischief. Some of the evidence that has been collected by investigators here is, is interesting. They had a search warrant to secure Doug McCallum's running shoes. Running shoes, yes. Wow. <laughs> wow, they got his running shoes. They also had a production order to look at his medical records, including x-rays. That doesn't surprise me at all. I knew they would go there. Surveillance video from not only the Save on Foods grocery store parking lot, but also the Peace Arch Hospital. Yeah, They have surveillance video. I, I don't think McCallum realized uh, how the tables could be turned on him here. That this, I don't think he saw uh, going into this that the police would come and check out his running shoes and that... Uh, uh, his uh, that surveillance cameras would be used at two locations. Uh, that that I think probably came as a shock. Well, if, if he's if he's insisting he's telling the truth, then he shouldn't he shouldn't be worried. And I and I guess it'll be tested in, in front of a judge here eventually. The the woman that he accused, by the way, has also released a statement to Catherine Urquhart, Debbie Johnstone. Mm -hmm. So this is the this is the woman McCallum accused of running over over his foot. And she said in a statement, I quote, I remain steadfast in my original statement of innocence. So she says just didn't have, she's innocent. She rejects McCallum's charge that she well, ran over his foot. 
Yeah, but I think the real key piece here, which is independent of opinion, is videotape surveillance cameras. I mean, yeah, it's not like yeah. someone's doctoring the footage. That just tells that will tell the story, and the police have clearly determined what the narrative is from their eyes, and it doesn't fit Doug McCallum's narrative at all. Well, well, it depends on how good the videotape evidence is, though, because I noted that in the documents ob- obtained by Catherine, like it said. The police were saying that the videotape evidence, some of this evidence, largely, largely goes against McCallum's story. So I don't know. Maybe there's some room for judgment here in front of a, in front of a court. But like you said, you know, in an election year, the court of public opinion is going to weigh in here. Yeah, exactly. I think um, that's McCallum's big concern is the fact not that the trial is going to be the final verdict on this. People, have, I think, have really made up their minds one way or another uh, on this in yeah. Surrey, and I think they're going to vote accordingly. Right. Okay. Just, I think it's important to say, since McCallum is not here and he, does, and he hasn't been commenting on this, we've been trying to get him on the show to talk about this. He's just not commenting that. No. You know, well, he's not our, convicted yet. He's not convicted. He's, that's right. He, you know, in our system, you're innocent until you are proven exactly. guilty. And he has he has said that he's innocent. So we continue to yeah. follow it. Let me play another clip here for you that I thought was really interesting. And we talked earlier on the show today, Keith, about the continuing lineups and backlogs at airports and also passport offices. Now, mm. have a listen to this. This is Avang Narjali speaking to Global News. She slept outside... Yeah. the Surrey passport office with her young child trying to get a passport. Have a listen to this. We stayed here overnight and it's just been, it's been horrible. My back hurts, I'm shaking, I've been rained on, my daughter's freezing, I have to run into Walmart to change her every now and then. I, I really feel for it. We just got a minute left. Your thoughts on this, Keith? It's quite an extraordinary situation. I'm not sure what's going on in Surrey uh, in terms of that passport office. We have lineups here in Victoria, but nothing like what's going on in Surrey. Our stories uh, of Surrey are quite astounding the last few nights where literally just a handful of people are able to access this. The, the ministry responsible, federal ministry responsible, promising to pick up uh, the pace here, but that has yet to happen. So, again, still quizzical why Surrey is such a basket case when it comes to renewing passports, whereas other places are not. Yeah, I mean, and Global had pictures inside the passport office showing a, a lot of the wickets and, and lineups are just and not it, staffed. Exactly. There's, there's no staff there. It's, it's quite extraordinary. And it replicates what we're seeing in airports. Again, long lineups to get through security. Uh, we've got a human resources crisis in a number of professions, and it's just coming to light now. And, and travel is one of, the, one of the areas where you just don't have enough people working security or passports. Thanks for coming on today. All right, talk to you tomorrow.